Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary, made possible by Rotary District 7210. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People who live by Rotary's motto of service above self. And Jonah, today our very special guest is Wendell Corral, who is the general manager of the South Lafouche Levy District in Louisiana. He's an environmental expert and he is an official member of the oil spill cleanup teams. And Rotarian Wendell Corral, welcome to Radio Rotary. Uh, bonjour and good morning. Uh, do you know what that means, Jonah? It means bonjour means good morning. <laughs> good, day. good day. Good, good day. day. Okay. Good day. Well, you know, I didn't do too well in French uh, in, in high school. Well, it means but, good well, morning, too, though. You know, the direct translation is good day, though. Well, Wendell, uh, you're our man on the scene there in uh, Louisiana where the uh, BP oil spill has uh, taken its toll, we know. Uh, we're recording this uh, the day before it airs on uh, Thursday morning, and right before I came to the studio, I checked the BP oil cam, and mm-hmm. uh, the oil is still gushing out at uh, the rate of about 24 gallons a second, I believe. And um, tell us what you know about it, what the impact has been down there in Louisiana, and what uh, what has been done about it. Well, uh, the first thing is that uh, the drilling of that well, there was, uh, we went all deep offshore oil. We're talking about drilling in a thousand feet starts determining what deep offshore is, and that started about 1995. That's a thousand feet under the surface of the water, right? But this one's at five thousand. Wow! Uh, but they started when we started in 1995. Uh, basically. Drilling to this point had taken all, it went from onshore into the wetlands into the continental shelf. Continental and then shelf it keep, goes from the coastline to about 300 feet of water. And it's pushing out. It's pushing out from the shore. And then, that's right, as you're moving away and in deeper water. But there's in a continental water. shelf throughout the United States. When you go off of the shelf, that's when you go into the deep water. And this is, this is why there's deep water uh, operations. And that starts at about 800 feet and, of course, keeps on going to uh, uh, great depths. But... This well was drilled at, at over 5,000 feet. So basically, you have so to it's be, out and it's deep. Yes, it's about uh, uh, off the mouth of the river, about 60 miles. It's about I'd say near 100 miles uh, southeast of New Orleans. Oh, that's a good landmark. That's a good way to, yeah. to so people get that visual, Wendell. Right. And uh, we it, uh, let me just jump back here quickly before we get into the serious stuff. Jonah Jonah very appropriately pointed out that you are a Rotarian. Yes. And uh, part in our relationship, uh, the connection um, started through Rotary post Katrina. When um, my a personal relationship, when my uh, club, the Milbrook Club, and the president at that time, Betty Renner, who also produces the show, um, it went down to be one of the um, people, basically plain and simple, to help out with the disaster. And you all connected there several years ago, and there has been a strong personal as well as fellowship, Rotarian fellowship connection here. Um, and, of course, I'm throwing myself into that because I grew up in South Louisiana, and this has been a very close and personal and disturbing situation as well. Um, well, yeah, and, and talking about the Rotary uh, connection, but, uh, yeah, I, I cannot say enough about the people of the United States uh, after Katrina. Uh, the government, I didn't think, performed very well, but the people and the Rotary connection worked extremely well. Uh, we're 30 miles south of New Orleans. I'm in charge of the levee system over here. We did not flood. Everybody else around us did flood uh, that year, but we didn't. And our small club in Golden Meadow with just a few members, we were able to use our district 
collecting of money throughout the United States and actually the world. And we spent probably over uh, half a million dollars helping people in South Mississippi, uh, St. Bernard Parish, especially. A lot of people were going to New Orleans. Especially St. Bernard, yeah. But we did a lot lot of help in St. Bernard Parish, which was actually 64,000 people. And only five buildings did not flood in that community. Amazing. That's great. That's, that's Rotary. That's Rotary's that's uh, service above self. Now, Wendell, just for our listeners, a parish is like what we would call a county here yeah, in New York. Yeah, that's right. You people call it a county. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, well, we were all, we've been around for a long time. You know, New Orleans was developed pretty early. Uh, I'm seven generations here in South Louisiana. My, my family, seven generations, five generations on the coastline. I'm the first generation to speak English before French. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I want you to uh, know the influence you have on my co-host Sarah O'Connell, who never says "y'all" unless she's talking to somebody from the South. Yeah, well, that she reverts that's back. Southern, that's a Southern thing. Revert know. back. Yeah, yeah right. I revert <laughs> but, back. Would you? But when you say "you guys" or "y'all," it's the same thing. <laughs> that's that. That would be correct. And the plural of "y'all" is. And, and that's that a big is? difference, though. No. The way the people in South Louisiana say "y'all" is very different from the way people in other parts of the South say "y'all." Uh, we don't quite have the typical, what you'd call a southern accent. No, it's, it, I, I always explain to, um, to my fellow Rotarians here, because the next international conference is going to be in New Orleans, and I'm already giving tutorials on uh, right. some sociology, you know, manners, yeah. pronunciation, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, getting back, though, to the very yeah, serious let's talk topic, about our topic of the uh, BP oil spill and uh, yep. how it's going to affect uh, New Orleans, which already, of course, has been... Um, this issue is really affecting, as contrary to Katrina, this is affecting the bayous, the, the, the country people, the working people. Right. Uh, our area, Lafourche Terrebonne uh, oh. area, se- uh, several times has been the lowest unemployment in the country. Lafourche Terrebonne area has a, the highest per capita in Louisiana. We're about 200 people, 200,000 people. And basically, our economy is fishing boat construction, and support of offshore oil. And the oil... Uh, uh, the Industry. Well, the oil break, the, the, the yeah. leak, mm-hmm. the big, I call it the big spill, okay? The big spill cut out our fishing industry. And with the moratorium, the government cut out the support of the oil industry, so our economy is really in shambles right now because of those two things. One by an accident and one by planning. Well, a Rotarian, uh, Wendell Curall, let, let's review, before we get into the economy, let's review a little bit for our listeners what happened. It was a gigantic oil rig, and there was a tragic fire and explosion that cost many lives, and the oil rig collapsed, and the hose, the pipe, broke, and the oil just spilled out unimpeded. Um, there was supposed to be an automatic shutoff valve that would have prevented that, but it misfired. Am I correct about yeah, that? Yeah, there's, there's a at the ocean floor. There's a blowout preventer. It's it's made up of two parts. Uh, the bottom part is connected to the well. The top part can be uh, disconnected and tested and brought back and forth. And they do that uh, every every few months. They will take that top part, uh, test out the rams and the arms to make sure it can, it can function right. We have been drilling in deep offshore since 95. We went through Hurricane Katrina and other hurricanes where rigs were pulled off of their boring sites and no uncontrolled spill. Uh, I work also with a team uh, headed by Dr. B, who is at the University of California, Berkeley, an expert 
in, in disasters, but he's an engineer, and he's been a drill engineer, and he's worked for Shell before in the Gulf of Mexico, so he's very familiar with the practical workings. It was very obvious as you look through it that on that well, they did not follow standard operating procedures and did not use the technology that was available. Because of uh, budgetary issues, they were rushing and did not perform properly. Wendell, is this, when you say they did not use that was available, Is it are they required to use it and didn't use it, or they just didn't use it well, as the, a choice of not using it? Well, are required, but this was a troublesome well. They had several problems. In fact, they were on site a lot longer than they had budgeted for. See, these rigs are rent out for about a half a million dollars a day. There's a couple of boats that help support it. I threw $35,000 a day. Uh, this rig was supposed to be out there doing the drilling for about three to four months. It was out there six to eight months. It was way over budget. And they were trying to hurry and get that rig off to another place. And because of the haste in getting, and, and basically it was a monetary decision. Well, who monitors? Who monitors the process? Well, minerals management is supposed to be the government monitor on those, those issues. And there's been a lot of discussion about how the government did not do its job in ensuring the safe operation, and that's why there's a major overhaul in MMS. And, and actually, I think MMS doesn't exist anymore. They've, they've got a new name and a new direction. Uh, and they were a little bit too close to the industry. Uh, but the bottom line is that there were some discussions and disagreements, very strong disagreements, on the rig itself. You basically have this rig is owned by one company. Mm-hmm. Uh, British Petroleum owns the lease, and they hire the rigs and all the other contractors. But the the, the final say so is a British Petroleum person because they are they've hired everybody, and there were some real discussions so, on moving forward with some of the issues. But we're getting to the technical aspect of it. But that blowout, if standard operation procedures were taking place, most people believe we would not be talking about this disaster. Now, let's I guess that's what I'm is. trying to get to. Where did the breakdown, where did it start to come unraveled? And I think you Well, there was a number that. of them. We see four to five major warning signs that, that should have been taken care of, that they, they proceeded, did not slow down, and did not make the corrections necessary. Uh, there's a number of them. The blowout preventer, there, there appeared to be some of the uh, rubber gaskets had been sheared, so that was a problem there. Uh, there was uh, some hydraulic lines to the blood preventer that, that weren't working properly. Uh, you had uh, some drill mud. You, you work a lot of drill mud. This is a, it's not just mud. It's a, it's a highly designed uh, weight factor in controlling a well. And they were losing some of that mud, so it, it, it indicated that the the well was not totally secure. It's that not didn't secure, have been a so it, another, another red flag. Yeah, there were a bunch of red flags. In fact, there were four or five major ones, as many as 20. That things. led up to the disaster itself. That's right. Okay. That's right. All well, right. Terry and Wendell Curell, we'll get back to uh, not only what you thought was the problem here with the British Petroleum uh, spill, but some of the effects that you've personally seen as our Rotarian in Louisiana uh, on the scene. But first, we need to uh, break for a commercial, and uh, let me remind our listeners, they're in tune with Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. My name is Jonah Trebois, and my co-host is Sarah O'Connell. Our guest, Rotarian Wendell Curall, who is right down there in Louisiana, viewing the, um, the situation for us. And tell us, Sarah, who brought us Radio Rotary this week? 
Radio Rotary is brought to us by District 7210 and the Rotary Clubs of Arlington, Blooming Grove, Washingtonville, Carmel, Chester Rotary, Chestnut Ridge, Congers Valley Cottage, Fishkill Highland, Hyde Park, Kingston, Kingston Sunrise, LaGrange, and Millbrook Rotary. We'll be back with more of Radio Rotary after these important messages. In 1985, while polio was paralyzing 1,000 children a day, Rotary International committed to a goal a goal of ending polio worldwide. Very soon now, after contributing nearly $600 million and immunizing over 2 billion children, the goal will be achieved. Eradicating polio worldwide. That is humanity in motion. That is Rotary. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Was with her every night. She hit the Wellfield Cajun boys to hold her daughter tight. Our love don't say go Linda. Our love don't say go Linda. Don't come from Maddie Pala. Put fast by Shady Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. Welcome back to this edition of Radio Rotary. I am joined by my co-host, Jonah Trebwasser, who is from Brooklyn. That's right. So I had to bring in reinforcements. Um, Our special guest today is Wendell Curot, who is the general manager of the South Lafouche Levy District in Louisiana. That's in South Louisiana, ladies and gentlemen. He is an environmental expert and he is an official member of the oil spill cleanup teams those are the national teams that are trying to deal with this disaster in the gulf south he is also a fellow rotarian and, and he's our eyewitness on the scene uh, at uh, the uh, site at the disaster and, and uh, as i refer to window welcome back to radio rotary tell us um, what's happening today what, how is this affecting you and your neighbors and your fellow rotarians today what is the, well, the status in a, in a great way uh we're here, the community south of New Orleans, on the bayous, we're here basically because of our tremendous production of this great delta of North America, which is the delta in South Louisiana. It matches the great delta throughout the world, the Netherlands, the Nile, the, uh, the Mekong, uh, the, uh, the delta, the Ganges, and Bangladesh. A tremendous productivity. We're here because of the fisheries. Uh, our people have always made a living whether it, well, today, even today, number one in shrimp, crabs, oysters, uh, crawfish, alligators, this great delta is just a very productive place. And because of the oil spill, we have had to shut down many, many areas that we can no longer fish. Now, we've been very aggressive with the shutdowns to make sure we anticipate oil maybe getting into an area. They've been shut down with the anticipation to ensure that we have good quality seafood still leaving the state. And... When the oil doesn't get there, we kind of reopen, and that's very difficult for our commercial fishermen, but they, they understand that we need to ensure our quality, and that has been ensured. Uh, we have rigorous testing and rigorous enforcement. Uh, there's been great cooperation with the fishing industry because, they, again, they understand that uh, the, the great products that come out of South Louisiana, we need to maintain that quality, and we have. So, Wendell, the, the bottom line is people want to know, is it safe to eat? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I go to New Orleans and I ate oysters till last week when we kind of ran out because they've closed the areas where the oysters are, where oil can affect it. And Anything that's coming out of the state right now is as good as it ever was because we are being very aggressive in shutting down places that possibly could be affected. We're not waiting for the tide to get affected. And then if, if the tides don't bring them in, then they, they stay open. But if we think it's going to go in, we've closed it. And we've never... 
We've not reopened any areas. So you know how to manage it. Basically, you're being managed. Aggressively because you cannot take the chance of having your quality questioned. And so it's been very aggressive. The other thing that was done, we did a baseline survey of all the tissues of of our our species, our different fish, uh, crabs, oysters, the whole bit, to get a baseline before the oil hit the coast. In our area, we're... That the well is on its south, but on the east side of the Mississippi River, south of the mouth. We're on the west side, and the currents from the river were actually blocking some of the oil for the first month. So we were hoping and praying that the remote control devices could engage the blowout preventer and stop the well, flow. Well, you, you talked about how the tides flow. What about the Gulf Stream? How is that going to affect? Well, again, the, the, the Gulf Stream is going to, that's what's pulling it all over the Gulf. The, the larger tides, and and in fact, it didn't hit us till a month after the flu. Had they stopped it, we would have had minimal effects from it if it had been stopped in the first month. Well, it now took a month to make it around these currents and get to us, but once it hit us, it hit our, our, our beaches. But our big concern, the beaches are for people. We want the oil to hit the beaches. We don't want it in our wetlands, so, our marshes, because that's what makes that's uh, what the that's change. where that's where the economy is, and that exactly. I think that you can't impress that enough. Say well, that again one more time, so people well, understand the difference between oil on the beach and and oil in the bayous and we, the marsh. We used we used to have a more robust barrier island system, and it has been degraded since about the 1930s. Uh, and and we we we've tried to close the areas where it, it's opened up. Because oil on the beach just affects people. Yeah, it, it's terrible for the, the wildlife that's around that, that beach. But if we can stop it from getting into the millions of acres of wetlands that we have, the wetlands are like the womb, and if we keep it healthy, we produce tremendous amounts of shrimp, crabs, oysters, a great bounty of biodiversity that comes out of this area. Well, Rotarian Wendell Curl, uh, our man on the scene there at the BP oil spill in Louisiana, um, what about tourism? You've talked uh, about uh, how it has affected the seafood industry. What about tourism? I mean, well, New Orleans I and that whole area is uh, well, just so, about so recovered from Katrina a little bit. Uh, that's right. And New Orleans, is, let me tell you, New Orleans is still a great, fun place to go, and it continues to be. The only difference is we, we don't have quite the variety of seafood, which is one of the reasons you go to New Orleans. Right. But, the, the, but New Orleans is not being affected in any real way from the storm, except not getting the quantity of seafood that it normally gets from the local area. But the food, but I'll, but I'll, cult, I'll the, culture, so the culture is still there. I mean, it's, it's bigger than, than the oyster. New but, Orleans but is a whole culture in itself. It doesn't matter that they're not getting oysters because our cooks are so talented, they will take a fish from anywhere and make it That's taste That's absolutely good. right. <laughs> it, it's the no, most... It's a cooking style. You it know, is. We have so many, you know, the, 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 it's, not a, it's not an accident that we have this original cuisine that originated here because... As uh, Chef John Fall said, uh, God gave us the best cupboard in the world with all this productivity of mm-hmm. seafood. And then you bring in the cultures of Africa, Spain, France, Italy. I mean, we had more Sicilians come into the United States through New Orleans than Ellis Island. It's so we have the mixture of all these cultures, a great cuisine, and uh, the Cajuns, uh, which are part of my ancestry, uh, you, you could start off with your bell pepper, your onions, and, and your celery, and you make Your everything from a gumbo to a sauce piquant, and you make stuff taste good, no matter what it is. It, that's right. They they take what they have and 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 make something magical out of it. I have to tell you, um, Wendell, I was very proud when I learned to make my first roux. 
Exactly. Well, that's what I didn't talk about the roof. Wait, 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 okay. wait, wait, wait. The Gidro family that I grew up with, Matthew's mother, taught me how to make my first roux. What, now, see, what do you mean roux? A roux, a roux is, is oil and flour. And what's interesting about a roux, if you cook it a little while and then just turn it, it's white flour, okay, with, with, with the oil, it'll get a little dark. It has kind of a, a, a lighter taste. Mm-hmm. And as you cook it down, it gets a darker and color and a stronger taste. And better. And, and, you, and can you keep adjust. adding to it. <laughs> and, and you and, and with that basic basic uh, 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 foundation, you can make. Well, in fact, my grandmother's the gumbo is a signature dish, and you start with a roux. Well, one grandmother of mine used to make a very thin gumbo mm-hmm. and a dark roux. Mm-hmm. Well, the other one made a, a, a thick gumbo, but not quite as dark, and, and had different tastes. But the gumbo different was a personalities, very signature dish. Yes, different personalities. Exactly. Well, exactly. Wendell. Wendell uh, Carol from Louisiana, our Rotarian on the scene. Um, you were talking about uh, tourism, how uh, it has not adversely affected tourism, at least in the heart well, of New Orleans. Well, what it has affected is because about the beaches? there's a problem in Yolens, but there is no problem in Yolens except we don't quite have the, as fresh seafood as, as we normally have, and, and some of the species aren't available. So what about, the, what about, about the, the beach places. areas? What about the beach areas well, where the people beaches, might want to we're, we're, not, we're never big beach because we only have a couple of, uh, a couple of beaches right. where you can go to. And, but the big attraction to us, we have the best uh, sports fishing in the world. You could go catch tuna offshore in right. the morning, uh, come back in, catch speckled trout and redfish in, the, in the, the coastal area, go back home before you go to bed and bring in a bass and a perch. There's not too many places on the planet you can do that. Well, not just the fish, here. Wendell, not just the food culture, but there's a music culture, and I know that that's very uh, near and dear to your well, heart, you know, because being the good Cajun that you are, you're also a musician, and you play in a band. Yes. We heard uh, a little bit about that earlier, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, 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 but again, it's, 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 it's what comes from inside. Food, that's right. Different style of food. You, you, we cook with, with, with a feeling, and, and same thing with the music, and we've been so blessed in this area. Fats Domino, think about this. If you look at the last century... We had jazz and rock and roll dominated the century. And we had Louis Armstrong and Fats Domino. If, though, if no other people came from South Louisiana, the, the imprint that those people made on music in the last century has been undelible. I was fortunate enough, Holy Thursday, the day before Good Friday, uh-huh. I spent two and a half hours with Fats Domino. That was outside. Wow. That was oh my. My That's great. That, that must have been the thrill the, the of your life. Wendell, let me talk to you about a, a, a serious policy issue for just a second. Um, it was recently announced uh, that the federal government's going to impose a ban on offshore drilling. Well, it, they did. It, they, they, they right. put the ban, and it was struck down by court because they don't have good science to back it up. And they want, they and want to they restate put another this. Ban, and the threat of that ban has already affected to these rigs. It cost about uh, a, a few million dollars to cross the ocean. Well, already some of the rigs have started to leave because right. uh, because they do contracts of three years, but because of this, uh, they call it force majeure, where it gives you a, a right to break a contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're leaving here, and once they go to Nigeria or, or other places of the world, it's going to be three years before they come back. So it has had a tremendous so we're, chilling we're, effect we're on we're our balancing, economy. We're balancing the effect on the oil industry, which employs a lot of people down there, and the effect on the tourism and seafood industry, but Wendell, let's look at the bigger picture for a second. In North America, Canada, United States, we have 5% of the population using 25% of the oil. Long term, as someone who's living there and living with it, do we try and reduce our dependence on oil, whether it's domestic or foreign? Or we have just no choice going to along? do that. Well, we have no choice. It's a finite, but, but I tell you, we should have learned our lesson, and we didn't in 1973. 
Right. When the oil embargo took place, at that point, we should have had a disciplined plan to reduce, especially foreign oil. Now, if I was in charge, you want to talk about policy, what I would do is ensure that we don't depend on the Middle East for oil. Okay, I'd rather have my son fighting oil in the Gulf than fighting a religious war in the Middle East because of oil. Okay, so and I would also, at the same time, encourage scientific development of, of green uh, uh, technologies, but not give any subsidies. Uh, like, like in the old days, you get, you get the universities to develop the techniques and let industry come in, pick that up, and then find a cheap way to do things. Our well, problem is the transition. We have to transition. Now, the only... Wendell, I'm going to tell you, we, we'd love to have you back, but we're just about out of time. We want to thank that. you for joining us, and we will have you back for another update uh, in a week or so. But uh, Rotarian Wendell Curo of uh, Louisiana, thanks so much for joining us on Radio Rotary. Well, you all have a good day, and good luck to everybody. Sarah, who brought us Radio Rotary this week? Radio Rotary has been brought to us by Rotary District 7210 and the clubs of Newburgh, New Paltz, New Windsor, Cornwall, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Port Jervis, Poughkeepsie, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, and Southern Ulster. For Sarah O'Connell, this is Jonah Trebowasa. Thank you for joining us and inviting you to join us again next Friday morning at 9 o'clock for another edition of Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Radio Rotary is brought to you by Beach Grove Technology, providing natural dietary supplements for a healthier life. Beach Grove Technology's herbal supplements are uniquely designed to prevent premature aging, eye problems, and weight loss. Beach Grove Technology is now featuring its latest natural product, cultivated American wild ginseng. So take charge of your life with Beach Grove Technology's safe natural products. Visit bgtsupplements.com or call 800-861-4933. That's bgtsupplements.com, 800-861-4933. Hudson Valley Talk Radio. What would you do if a friend, co-worker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V.com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver.